0: All right. So uh, tonight we're going to be in Genesis six and seven. Lord willing, next week we'll be in eight and nine, and that'll that'll wrap up our time on the flood story, of uh, the, uh, the story of Noah and the ark. You know, the story of Noah and the ark it kind of dies a, a sad death with all of the, the the children motif that's done around it. But is is uh, is Noah's ark really a kid's story? It's a really rough story, really, isn't it? You think about it, it's pretty dark. Now, I mean, it's all right to tell the kids. You've got to learn how to tell it and not scare them to death. But uh, at the same time, it's a, it's a real tragic story. It's a real dark story, uh, what's going on. So we're going to talk about Noah, the ark, and the flood from Genesis 6 and 7. Now, I want to just tell you about some resources. Um, for some reason, this is not working. Uh, have, have you heard of the Answers in Genesis ministry, Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham? Uh, you may want to do some search on them. They they've kind of made it their expertise to be in in the whole Genesis stories and uh, especially the Noah's Ark and flood. Uh, some of y'all been to the Ark. We were trying to go last week, last year and that's when I got COVID and it was just a mess. But um, I, I highly recommend you you do that. It'd be a great experience. Now they they've kind of taken it a little bit further beyond just the text. Now they they do use the Bible as their foundation, but they also go into some of the scientific stuff and trying to do uh, what's called apologetics, helping people understand that uh, this, is, this is truth and, and this really happened, and it's a real reality. So uh, they, they, I re- highly recommend some of their resources. Um, they, they've got the Creation Museum up there, up close to Cincinnati, up in the Kentucky area, North Kentucky. So uh, I've got some books here. Angelina, she actually bought this while she was there, uh, The Ark Encounter. You may want to come over here and thumb on, through some of this, not while I'm preaching food. <laughs> But it's got all kinds of pictures of, of the concepts of what may have happened or what, you know, some of Noah's tools that he possibly used and how they cared for the animals. Um, just all kinds of layout possibilities. Um, I mean, it's all kind of artist rendering kind of thing, but it kind of gives an idea of what the ark may have looked like. And it's just, I mean, it's fascinating from a biblical standpoint. It's fascinating from a human standpoint. Uh, but it, to me, it's fascinating from an architectural standpoint as well, you know, just the whole building of, of the idea. Uh, there's another book here. Uh, I've used these books throughout uh, Rose's book of Bible charts. They used to, when they had Christian bookstores you'd go to, they had these little pamphlets. Uh, Rose made all kinds of charts and pamphlets. But this is a uh, timeline of, of Genesis here, and this thing opens up somehow. There it goes. But it shows you a little timeline, and you kind of get an idea of, it, it lists the, the names of some of the patriarchs here and how their lives kind of overlapped. You know, it's not like 900 years and 900 years and then 900 years. It's their lives overlap kind of like our families do, obviously. But it kind of just shows you a little bit of idea there. And then there's, uh, y'all can fan through some of this. And, this, and then here's their, their rendering of Noah's Ark. This is this is book one of the chart book, Bible charts, maps, and guidelines i'm not sure if they got it in digital or not but it just kind of gives you an idea it's got some some of the timelines of the days that they were in the art so it's just fascinating stuff you just learn to to study all right so that's that all right now genesis 6 1 through 4 we kind of went through a little shocker last week um which you know believe it or not that the the uh thing we talked about is not an uncommon view it's um pretty pervasive. In fact, I actually saw a sermon this morning uh, driving somewhere that John MacArthur actually holds the same view that we talked about Sunday. So I thought that was pretty good because he's pretty conservative, you know. Uh, so we left last week in a bit of a shocker. And, you know, Bible's got much more of a supernatural worldview than sometimes we're ready to grasp. You know, Jesus went about casting out devils. I mean, he went to church and cast out devils out of people who've been going there a long time. I mean, Jesus saw the world way different than what we see it today. Uh, and I, I think uh, we paid a heavy price for not having his viewpoint as well. So when, when something is uncomfortable for you, what do you do? Uh, you can dumb it down or try to explain it away. You can do that with Genesis 6 or any of the other miraculous passages. You can kind of dumb it down. Uh, that's what a lot of seminaries do. A lot of seminaries don't have a, a, a and that's where we get a lot of our preachers and our churches nowadays They don't have a supernatural view of the Bible. A lot of them don't even believe in miracles. They kind of take some more of the Sadducee-type viewpoint. Uh, You can dumb it down or explain it away, or you can deny it because it just seems ridiculous to you. Um, But I would expect it to seem ridiculous. Some things that God does to seem ridiculous to us uh, simply because our minds are like this big. You know, we have a hard time grasping everything. Um, Or you can embrace it as It's presented. Now, that may take a little while, you have to chew on it and work through your doubts and work through the, do your homework and all that kind of thing, but as raw as it may be, as shocking or challenging, uh, Jesus talks about having that childlike faith. I think that's real important. It's really important. So, uh, and could it be that the Bible has given us the true information about reality? We just haven't quite digested it all in yet. Could it be? Well, personally, that's why I teach it all the time. That's why I'm giving my life to teach the Bible. Because it, it contains the most important information that a person can receive in this life. I have no doubt about that. So, Now the problem is people don't. People like sermons. They don't like teaching. They, don't, they like sermons, but they don't like Bible study. Because see, sermons will get you, you know, you can just kind of disengage and get excited. And that's fine. We like to do that. I kind of hope I did some of that Sunday, actually. You know, I mean, we, we need the motivation. But teaching you have to stop and think. And one of the reasons they crucified Jesus is because he was teaching stuff that they had a hard time digesting, you know. So just, the Bible has the most important information. We're still working it all out. So here, here's my suggestion. Be like the Bereans in Paul's day. Paul makes a comparison about these Bereans and the Thessalonians. The people from Thessalon- uh, uh, Thessalonica, excuse me. Acts 7, seventeen eleven says, These Bereans were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's important. They searched the scriptures to find out. Hey, and I tell you, I I believe you ought to do this for everybody, including myself. Don't take anybody's word, hook, line, and sinker for anything when it comes to Bible, especially. You get in there and you see if that's what it says. If I'm right, right, it's because I agree with this book. If I'm wrong, it's because I'm, 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 in, I'm contrary to this book. So we've got to do our homework. I sincerely hope you do. And if you've got challenges, you want to talk to me about things, that, that's perfectly fine. Because if we can't find it in the book, then we might want to talk about some things. You know what I'm talking about? So anyway, so now Genesis 6, let's get into the storyline. We'll repeat some of the things from last week just to kind of keep setting the table. But things are really bad. By the time we get from Adam all the way to now the, the days of Noah, the scripture says that the evil of man was great. I mean, you, you can't even imagine if you had six o'clock news turned on in the cave over there, uh, what would be coming out on that, that channel in, 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 uh, modern, in the Middle East? It, it, evil was everywhere. In fact, it was so bad that the scripture gives this commentary just kind of one line news heading every intent. And imagination of the human heart was evil continually. Hmm. It got really, really rough. So now why was there so much evil? It goes back to that Genesis 6, 1 through 4 thing. Why was, uh, the Lord said the humans had ruined their way. They just absolutely ruined their way. Their life. They ruined their lives. Run them in the ground. And they had a lot of help. According to Genesis 6, 1 through 4, they had help. Dark spiritual beings were highly influential There was a lot of demonic activity that's spoken of in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Um, It's letting us know that the humans had intertwined themselves on every level with these sons of God, which is no doubt they're they're dark spiritual beings. They're demons is what we would call them in the New Testament. Uh, They had intertwined themselves. So now the humans who were supposed to have their lives intertwined with who? God, they're supposed to be representing God. They're supposed to be partnering with God. They're supposed to be walking with God, talking with God, getting instruction from God, learning with Him, getting all the information they need from Him. He is the, the source of knowledge of good and evil. He's, he's the source of what I need to know. But instead, these humans right here, what we seen in chapter 6, who were created in God's image and likeness, are now totally lost. They have old buddy of mine, you say all the time, they lost the plot. They lost the plot. They are totally off the rails at this point in time. And the society is suffering for it. The entire creation is suffering for it. So now, in that Genesis 6 thing, one of the main purposes of the giants. Has anybody heard the word Nephilim? Nephilim? It's, uh, that, that word, it, it, giants in Hebrew, is the word Nephilim. If you did a Google study on Nephilim, you're going to get all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. But a lot of people teach about it. One of their main purposes is to wipe out the seed of the woman or at least hinder the seed of the woman to prevent the crushing of the serpent's head. That's what this, that's one of the main purposes this is all about. The enemy is at work to destroy or derail the plan and purpose of God. But he always plays into God's hand. You know that. Hmm. So now these giants it's spoken of, which it's believed that, that David was one of the ones that helped to eradicate the problem. The giants are spoken of throughout the Bible story. You'll see giants. If you went did a word study in your English translation on the word giants, you'll see giants show up frequently in the story. So these are these demonically inspired, demonically influenced beings that are absolutely wreaking havoc. David's is the one that kind of put a stop to it. Who, who, who's the guy that he killed? Goliath. Goliath. And there's some suggestion that they ended up taking out their whole family. The Philistines were the last hurrah of the giants. Okay. All right. So now, so let's get some more text. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Noah. We had him in our notes last week, but we didn't get to it. We didn't, we just didn't have time. Uh, Six, eight, right? Is that what I said? Six, eight there. All right. So now look at this. It said all this stuff about the evil of man was great. Thoughts were evil continually. And verse eight starts with this phrase, but Noah, Okay, what, what do you hear on that? After he's, he's painting this dark picture and then but Noah, what do you hear? He, he's different. He's a different kind of dude and he's a different man. He lives a different lifestyle and it says that but Noah found grace. Everybody else has, has found judgment. In fact, it's going to be bad. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is the genealogy or this is the story of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generations or mature, complete. He was a whole guy. He was a a guy with a lot of integrity is what that word kind of means. Perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Hmm. And Noah begot three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. All right, they're going to show up a little bit later. I think we'll get to them maybe next week. Sham, Ham, and Japheth. So he had three sons. All right, so now, come on now. All right, so this idea, but Noah. So Noah found grace, or he found favor in God's eyes. Why, why did he find favor in God's eyes? Well, he simply walked with God. He believed God, right? He he was a man of faith in a world that had gone awry, in a world that was totally lost. Now, you think about the struggle that that would have been for him, because you still got to go to the grocery store, you still mix with society, you still go and come and go and all that kind of thing. You think about the struggle. You, you, you know how hard it is in our day and age as our society gets darker and darker. Uh, how hard it is to live for Christ. Imagine what it would be like to live for God in the day that Noah. I mean, imagine that you were the only one. I know sometimes you feel that way. Whether it's at the job or wherever. You may feel like you're the only one. Imagine if you really were the only one. Hmm. It says Noah was a just man. He was a righteous man. That, that word righteous idea. Righteous. He, he was in right relationship with God. He, he, would, he would treat other people right. That, that word righteous has to do with relationships. It means you treat people right. You're in right relationship. He was in right relationship with his wife. He was in right relationship with his kids. He, he was a good man. He was a just man. Perfect. Walked in truth and uprightness in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Anybody else we heard so far that walked with God? Anybody else? Mm, there was a guy named Enoch. Okay, so now how can you be delivered? Now, we just to ask, how can, you, how can you stay faithful in a faithless generation? How can you stay in the light when everything around you is dark? How, how can you do that? Well, we could ask Enoch, and we could ask Noah, and they would tell us this one thing, walk with God. Walk with God. Now, help me out. Practically speaking, what does that mean to walk with God? Put yeah. Him. Put him first in everything you do. That's good. Obey him. Obey him. That's good. Talk with him. Talk. Talk with him. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what's that idea of, you know, what happens when people walk together? They share. They, share, they talk. They, their lives kind of, their hearts kind of mix a little bit. They, they, yeah, how can two walk together unless they agree? They they, 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 they find common ground somehow or another. So, so this idea of walking with God, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a a Bible way to say it, but that's a real practical way to live your life is that you include God in everything that you're doing and you include yourself in everything God's doing. All right. So we could ask Enoch and Noah and they, they would tell us about what that means to what we're God and how important it is. All right, so now God's going to speak to Noah, and this is some pretty startling stuff, and he's going to talk to him about building an ark. All right, so now, beginning in verse, what verse was it, 13? Beginning in verse 13. We, we read 11 and 12 last week. And God said to Noah, they were don't want to walk, walking together one day. That's what I need to talk to you about, son. It's Kind of point blank. Was it in Noah's heart? Was it a vision? Or was it audible? I I don't know. But it was clear. Whatever it was, it was very clear that it was God talking to him. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So we're going to talk to him about building this ark. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. So it's got, how many decks it's got? Three decks. And behold, I myself am bringing waters on the earth. To destroy from under heaven all flesh. In which is the breath of life. Hmm, that's rough. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark. You and your sons. Your wife. And your sons wives with you. And God said. In chapter 7. I don't, I don't think I covered it in my notes. But it says that God got them on that ark. And he shut them in. And he shut them in. And. That I meant everybody else was out. So there's going to be eight people on this boat that's going to save humanity out of all the hordes of humanity. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're, we're somewhere up 1,500 to 1,600 years of human history from the biblical standpoint. Um, so there's a lot of humans around, especially if old Joe's living to be 900 and he's pumping kids out. That's a long, that's a, that's a big family. You know what I'm saying? That is a big, big family. And you think about it, I mean, it, it, they say, well, it would just been a small population. Well, our country is only 400 years old. We've got 350 million people. I know a lot of them, I mean, a few million of them have, have immigrated to here. Some of them jumped the fence, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> in the last few months, a few million have, from what they said. But you think about it, in 400 years, we've got a country now that wasn't here before. And 350 million people. That's 400 years. Now multiply that by four. You've you, you got a lot of people on the earth now. You see what I'm talking about? And they weren't having two and three kids. Like I said. These folks were having a bunch. All right? Verse 19. Oh, excuse me. Verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Would you like to have a conversation with Noah's wife? She doesn't get much... Bible time at all. Is, but she had to be some kind of woman. She had to be a pretty good woman to put up with Noah and all this building he's going to have to do. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. The Hebrew actually says there shall be husband and wife. That's the words you use, same words. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you Keep them alive. They will come to you. Mm. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten. It's going to be a long trip. You're going to need more than that picnic basket. Get you some food in there. And you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them, the animals. and, And the family. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. That's quite an afternoon walk, isn't it? Or morning walk. That's, that's quite a deal there. Let's see here. Let's, let's see what we got. All right, so now, it says it's made out of gopher wood, and it's pits inside and out. Pits, it's sealed. Sealed up. So gopher wood, we're not sure what gopher wood is in, in the biblical text. We're not sure. Uh, some speculate that it was cypress, because a lot of ancient cultures use cypress to build, build uh, boats with and all that kind of thing. Just not sure, but here's, here's an idea of the size. Now, the Bible just kind of gives some detailed information, and it's almost certain that Noah had more information than this. He had to have more information than this. I mean, there's no, no idea about building stairs. There's no idea about, you know, the, the, the way the cages. This is where the elephants go. This is where these go. There's no, no idea of all that. So there had to be more detail that Noah knew. You understand that? So, so now, depending on what a cubit is, a cubit in biblical standards is from the tip of a, of a man's, uh, index finger or what's that middle finger excuse me tip of the middle finger all the way down to the elbow that's a cubit. okay that's about 18 to 20 inches and a royal cubit they would do it in some ancient cultures they would they would put your hand here and do that and that would be a royal cubit. you know so that's what the historians tell us so now it depends on what the length of the 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 uh, standard of measurement is but this boat was something like 450 foot long about 75 foot wide and about 45 foot high. I mean, it's not any little thing. And you think about this. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't go down to Home Depot and get this stuff. It's a lot of labor. A lot of labor. So God has set a time clock of about 120 years. We saw that last week. He said in 120 years is when this is going to happen. And then he has this conversation with Noah after, that, after the, the text says that. So now, we're not sure, but it says that Noah had sons and they got raised up and had wives and then they began to build the ark. So somewhere along the lines of 50 to 75 years, uh, Noah built this ark, okay? Did he have help? Well, hopefully he had his sons to help him. Did he hire other people? It's very possible. He could have got people involved in this deal and, and, and built this boat because uh, the size lumber that would be needed and all that, I mean, that's hard labor. You think about it, I mean, there's no... No power tools. That, that, that's the power tool. Right there. That is a lot of labor. Some of y'all have done some, some uh, cutting down trees and milling and all that kind of thing. and uh, you, you, you can imagine. Armstrong tools. Armstrong tools. That's right. <laughs> it's as strong as your arm is. That's about, the, about right. So just give you kind of an idea, that's a, that's a, if you can't see that, that's a football field. It's about a football field and a half. That's what 450 feet are. All right, and kind of give you an idea. So that's that's a a picture of the three decks. It's a possible rendering of the three decks with some of the corrals that would have been there. Um, Guys, a lot smarter than me, looking at the volume of all this kind of thing, say that there there could have been up to one hundred twenty-five thousand mid-sized animals that could be put into that kind of situation, into that kind of space. All right, so that's a lot—one hundred twenty-five thousand animals. And two, you know, they, they don't have to get, I mean, you don't want a big, old animal. Just get the small ones. That, they work better. They're going to live longer. They can produce more when the time comes. So get the small ones. Get, get, I mean, I don't think he had incubators on the boat and hatching eggs and nothing like that. But at the same time, um, he got the, the strong, healthy ones. God brought him the ones he wanted them to, to do. Did you see? God said, I'll make them come to you. Okay. Notice that there on this boat, there was no description of a rudder. That seemed to be kind of an important thing to be on the boat, wouldn't it? God was yeah. Why was that? Well, God's going to steer this boat. God's going to take it. So, so they're they're at the mercy of God. They're going to have to do this by faith. Um, you know, there's a myth that that it hadn't rained up to this time, but I, I don't know that that's true. You know, there's a there's a passage in the Bible that we we saw it in in uh, Genesis two. I want to say Genesis two, uh, two or three, two maybe where it says that God hadn't caused it to rain yet because there was no man to till the ground. And some people say, well, it hasn't rained since uh, this time and this will be the first rain. Well, that's not, I mean, we're not sure that's true because the implication of that verse is is that God caused it the dew to come up because there was no man to till the ground. And once the man came to till the ground, that God sent the rain. That's kind of the implication of the, the verse. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that's, we ain't got to wrestle over that, but that's just my thoughts on it. All right, now. Any, any, any thoughts on the ark before we move on? Any thoughts on it? Kind of a fascinating project here, huh? Noah had to be a pretty smart guy. I mean, that's a... It's going to take a lot of craft to do that. A lot of ingenuity. A lot of engineering. A lot of faith. Uh, either God imparted him the knowledge he needed... Or Noah already knew a little something. I, I got a feeling Noah knew a little something. I mean, these weren't stupid people. You know, we—if you get out of the evolution mindset and, and the—you know—a guy walking around, caveman beating himself on the chest and "fire wheel" and doing all that stupid stuff, you know—that's um, nonsense. You know, these these guys are creating. The, what would you? <laughs> oh, we found the missing link, y'all. <laughs> uh, these people were created in the image and likeness of God. They they had uh, they had an intelligence, I believe, that most people today don't have. All right, that's my, my thoughts. It, I think it's gone in a devolution, not in the evolution, you know, in one sense. All right. So now, so the animals, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. We we just read that. Right. So the animals are going to come to Noah, uh, two of the unclean kind. And he's going we're going to read the passage here. He's going to say there's going to be more of the, the clean kind that's going to come to you. So now, uh, do we have any other Bible stories where a man is there in a place and the animals come to him? Ah, Adam. OK, so Adam. Did his thing. They're naming the animals. Now Noah is kind of going to be presented to us as another Adam. As another Adam like figure. All right. So now let's go to verse 7 or chapter 7 verse 2 and 3. And let's see what we got here. All right. 2 and 3. Verse 2. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal. Seven right. A male and his female, so you'll have to have some pairs in there. They're going to be one odd guy out, I guess. Take seven clean animals, two each of animals that are unclean, so we get getting a little bit more detail. Two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also, seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. Did I just want two and three in my notes? Is that what I want? So now... He's not taking every kind of animal, but every species. Does that make sense to you? It's like if there's, in the, in the dog family, there are a gazillion variations of a dog. From a fox, to a dog, to a wolf, to a coyote, to, I mean, there, there are all kinds of species, or variations of the species. Well, the variation of the species is just going to have to happen later. We just need a couple dogs. You understand what I'm talking about? And then we'll let nature take its course and do its thing after the fact. All right? So now, here, here's the idea. Okay? Now, the reason I ask you about the Adam and, and the story that the animal's coming to him, here, here's the idea that's being painted for us. The ark is kind of, sort of, in, in a weird way, the ark is like a floating Garden of Eden. It's this floating sanctuary. It's this floating salvation basically it's this sacred place that God has told Noah to make that is going to be for his salvation and the salvation of the animals. All right. So it's not just a boat. Now this is, this is, a, this is a very sacred thing that God is having him build. I don't have time to, to get into it, but the three tiers is, it, it corresponds with the three compartments of, of like the temple and the tabernacle. I mean, this is a sacred thing that, that God is having him build. Um, just so you know, I have taken a whole college course on Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. So I'm, I'm telling you the detail here, we could, I, could, I could, literally could drown you with all the details about the flood. I, that's a bad joke, eh? <laughs> and some of it wouldn't even matter, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's, it's there. Now there's another ark in Scripture that's mentioned. It's the same Hebrew word for, for ark is used, and it's Moses' ark. And I'm not trying to get, get you confused, but but you hear people talk about that say all the time. They say Moses' ark or Noah part of the sea. You know, people say that kind of that Medea Bible study kind of thing. You know, <laughs> we get it all kind of mixed up. But Moses had an ark. anybody remember Moses' ark? No. no. Mm-hmm. Exodus two. Oh, the basket. The basket. Oh, the basket. Please. Now it may not it may not say, it, but in the Hebrew, it's the word for ark. It's that my, Noah's mother made him an ark, and guess what it says about that? That made him an ark, and it they and she pitched it within and without, hmm. and then she put it in the Nile. Well, you remember what the story was? They were having to throw the babies into the Nile; the alligators ate them, that kind of thing. And Noah was saved. Okay, same same idea, same idea about salvation. It's 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 a place of salvation, place of rescue. All right, there's lots more we could talk about let's let's try to move on we we running out of time here all right so now the flood and and hey there's a lot's more detail about the ark that we we just don't know you know you but but i can promise you you can't build a, an ark or a boat with the details that were right there and that we just read you you got to have some more details okay the flood it's a severe judgment isn't it Okay, so now we got water. It's, it's kind of to be seen as a cleansing. God is going to cleanse the earth of all the evil. What about those animals? My goodness, that's it, kind of tragic on their part, isn't it? I mean, they kind of got wiped out too. So God's going to start over. It's, it's a very tragic thing. So after 1,500, 1,600 years of human history, God's mercy has run out. And if this story doesn't do anything else for you, Let it stand as a warning that there are things we can do and seasons we can be in in life where God will absolutely run out of patience with us. It's happened time and time again in the Bible story. It's happened time and time again out of people's lives. So be careful. Don't keep pressing it. I believe one passage says, tempt not the Lord thy God. Don't do it. So for 1,500 years, now that says a whole lot. 1,600 years, that's a long time for God to be patient. But that ran out. And this is a warning to all of us. Now, here's some of the shocking things that I I got out of the flood. Genesis 6, 3. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. I think Paul refers to some of that idea. My spirit shall not strive. What's the word strive mean to you? What do you think? What do you think of strive? Deal with? Deal with? We don't use the word that much, but it's like fight. It's almost like fight, isn't it? We aren't going to keep tangling up about this. And and here's my thoughts, what what he's saying right here. God says, who do these humans think they are? They're just flesh. And they want to stand up against me. Even if they go into league of demons, they're just still flesh. That's all they are. And I'm not going to keep struggling with them about this. This is an end to it. This is an end. You see what I'm talking about? Now here, here's another thing that's shocking to me in this passage now. God's response to all this evil. His, his response was not anger. God's anger and wrath is not mentioned not one time in the Noah story. And, that, and that's how it's almost always portrayed. God's anger and wrath is never mentioned in the Noah story. This is what's mentioned. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. We covered some of this last week, didn't we? So that word sorry is is actually an action in the Hebrew. It's like a sigh, a deep breath sigh. We talked about that, right? Sigh of frustration, grief, pain, that whole deal, all right? He was heartbroken. And 6.13, now listen to this. 6.13 says this, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. I want, I want to paint a picture here that it's not God just saying, I'm going to stop all this mess. I'm, going to, I'm just going to wipe them out. That's not what the story is portraying to us. You've got to read the story to figure this out now. You've got to get in there and dig around. You know what He's saying, The current course that humanity is on has come up before me and this don't end good. So God basically looks down through the telescope of time and he says, this, this is what's come up before me is they are all going to die. They're going to destroy themselves. So basically what God does is he turns them over to their destructive ways, hits the fast forward button, accelerates the inevitable and causes the flood. You see what I'm talking about? That's, that's the way the story's is portrayed. Hmm. Now, it's the same thing in Romans. Well, we, don't, we don't have time to get into Romans. But the idea of Romans is where, where God says he, keep, he keeps saying this in Romans 1. He, God turned them over. He turned them over. He turned them over. That's what's happened here. So now, seven eleven. 11 7-11 and twelve. In the six hundred year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. Hmm. So let's, let's see what that, that says right there. The imagery. Notice the imagery right here, what's happening. The imagery is this, that the fountains of the deep were broken up. What do you think that is? All of the r- underwater rivers that God has put in, in in creation for all the man's wells and the, the provision of all of the livestock and trees and coming down the mountains and all that kind of thing. All of the, the, the streams of rivers underneath us. You know, when I lived in Georgia, uh, they came out to the house, our board well had went dry. so For $5,000 they would drill until they hit water. They went some like 450 foot down. And the guy described the river that was down there they sent probes down there, the well company. And he said that there is a river underneath your house that's almost as big as the Mississippi River, 400 foot down, is what he described it as. They're all in the deep. So what happens in Noah's day when this flood comes, all of that just bursts to the surface. okay? And the windows of heaven were open. Okay, now, the windows of heaven were open. All right? And then there's this super rain that happens for 40 days and 40 nights. So all this water is not just coming from the rain. Now, remember the creation story? Just early on in the creation, it says that God separated the waters above and the waters below. Remember that? That's one of the first things God did. He separated the waters above and he created this atmosphere and dome. Well, what it's telling us right here, God said, I, that just, I'll just let that collapse. So it's a decreation that's happening. What happened in creation, now this is a decreation, and now we're getting back to the chaos that's in Genesis 1 and 2. That's where God takes it. And they were in this ark. Now everybody thinks about the 40 days and 40 nights. The 40 days and 40 nights, uh, they, they were there, but they were in that ark for about one year. Just a, just a hair over one year, depending on our calculation. If you do all the math, adding up all the numbers together, about one year in that ark. Now, that's a long time to be on the floating zoo now. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I like going to the zoo, spending three or four hours. Memphis has got a fabulous zoo. I'd love going, but about a day's fine. But a year of that, hmm, that'd be kind of rough. What's that? Yes, it, it, would, it would be quite aromatic. All right. all right. Let's wrap it up with this. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So we did. Seven: five says this, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Hebrews 11:7 says this: "By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things that had not yet been seen, Noah built an ark for the saving of his house." Hmm. You can go read some of that. Now now think about this, because see, there's another judgment coming. There's a, there's a final judgment that is drawing close. And there's only one ark that will save you. We, we, we'll call that ark Jesus. There, there's only one option to be saved. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. 9, 10 and 11 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Amen. 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 You don't want to be on the wrong side of God's judgment. You just don't want to be there. Amen. Questions, comments before we go? I don't think we got any of that on Facebook, but they'll have to watch it some other way. Questions, comments? That's a good question. It would have took a lot of wood, wouldn't it? That would have been a lot of wood to build a boat the of a football field and a half. That would have been a lot of lumber. A lot of milling going on, wouldn't it? They had to, yes, sir. That would have took for. I mean, that's why it took so long. You know, 50 years plus with some... Yeah, I don't know if there were nails or not. They probably pegged it together or mortared it together or something like that. You know, it would have been something. I mean, there had to be some kind of knowledge about that. That's what I'm saying. There wasn't knowledge about that. Yeah. But you know, the ancient people weren't 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 ignorant. I mean not far from Noah's time you know men are building ships pretty good sized ships from, from there on and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord I think there was more than that than he saw <laughs> yeah and, and he's, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord maybe some of that grace the grace is the idea of empowerment maybe, maybe that was God gave him some of that some of that strength of I mean the man's 600 years old and toting the tree I mean that's, that's, a, that's some heavy duty stuff isn't it so. anybody else and I, yeah, I know you got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions too. The Bible is very sparse with this information on the story. But what it tells us is very important. Anybody else before we go? Hmm. Remember, Jesus said this. When I return back, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. That's what Jesus said, right? People coming and going, evil continually, things happening, nobody caring, people going in the wrong direction, families going in the wrong direction. And then the next thing you know, the door's shut and the rain comes and it's over. Like that. It's gone. You What's right? your wife would say? Hey, I it be a Are you correct? Yeah. I'll, that. I'll tell you what my wife would say. She said, You talk to Wendell about this. That's just another project. Exactly. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, Miss Pat would want to save them all, wouldn't she? Yeah, you know, and that's, that's one important thing right there, Paul, too. It says, God shut the door of the ark. You know why God shut the door? Because Noah wouldn't have been able to, I don't think. I, I, don't, I couldn't have shut, it up, shut the door. Well, let's pray. Ask the Lord to help us. All right, Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the clarity it brings. Uh, Lord, thank you for the warning. I, I pray you'd help us, even those who walk with you, Lord. Uh, help us to take the warning and take them serious, Lord, to know that these things aren't just playtime. Lord, our decisions matter, our morality matters, our walk with you matters. It matters for our sake, and not only for our sake, our world's sake. Um, Help us, Lord. Help us to have the kind of faith that pleases you, that even in this dark world that we live in, that we can find your mercy and your grace, and we can do something that will help save folks for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.